This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. Okay, here we are in our final episode of Becoming a Whole Person, and uh, I am here with my good buddy and colleague and the guy I'd really like to be like when I grow up, Austin. Hey, Father John. Yes, Austin Powers. Um, <laughs> I watched that movie a lot when I was a kid growing up. Oh, behave. Behave. Anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, where have we been? Uh, Austin has been doing push-ups and eating power bars. <laughs> I've watched some good television series, and we've been really working furiously at creating some good material for you guys. And we're ending this episode with looking at some common mistakes that parents make. And you're going to tell us more about that, Austin. Yeah. Every parent or caregiver, you're not going to be perfect. Newsflash. Then the question is, what do you do in response to mistakes? And these four responses that we're going to give are going to be good enough. And that is the key. Good enough parenting, good enough caregiving is the key. And so um, if you can commit to these four things, these responses on an ongoing basis in the face of these four mistakes, not once, not twice, but again and again and again, it will set your kids, your personal kids, any kids that you are caring for. And when we say kids, we're talking toddlers, elementary, middle school, even high school, and even yourself. These things will set you on a trajectory to becoming a whole person. So Father John, what's the first mistake? Yeah. So the first mistake is uh, parenting by being controlling. And I'm going to combine two things in my response, controlling versus training. And they're very, very different. Um, We're just going to be blunt about this. You do not want to control your child if you want your child (laughs) to develop good character capacities and be relationally engaged with people. Yeah, I'm so intrigued. Tell us more about controlling. What do you mean? Yeah, instead of controlling, what you want to do is to train your child Hmm. and help them integrate skills that create wisdom Hmm. and making good choices. And we'll get to that in a minute. But Mm -hmm. first, let's talk about controlling. Why is this bad? Well, before we talk about why it's bad, why are we so attracted to it? Because it gives us um, the illusion that we can have our own lives in control the way we want them. And these little buggers, these kids are not going to mess up my life. Do you have an, and I want to get you off script too much. Do you have an example of what you're talking about when you say uh, controlling a kid? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, probably the easiest way to sum it up is, hey, you do what I tell you to do because I told you to do it. And that's it. And right now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right now. Mm -hmm. I call the shots. That's my job. Your job is to do what I say. So that's a pretty simplistic way to think about it. Mm -hmm. But it's really being authoritarian, like 
you're a dictator running your household the way you want it. Uh-huh. And you don't care what the kid thinks, feels, wants, mm. and is developing into. Rigid, inflexible, yep. all of that. Yep. Got it. So if you take this approach, and a lot of people do, uh, you end up with really three possible responses in your kid. Number one, they're going to become compliant. They'll just do what you say. But later in life, they don't know how to make their own choices. They don't have a no muscle because they've not been allowed to exercise any of their freedom. This is the kid that's living in your basement. They can't figure out how to stand up to anybody or make their own choices or be themselves because they've just been compliant. So they're fully reliant upon you. The other one you get is a rebellious kid. This is the kid that's like later dude Mm. as soon as they get the first chance. Yeah, because they've had their choice just so stuffed and stifled and that's just only growing and growing and growing. So the minute they get out from under these caregivers or parents rule... They're going crazy. Yep. They're doing their own thing. Yeah. And then the third one would be a sneak, a Mm. sneaky kid. Mm. They're compliant on the outside. Sure, dad, but they lead a double life. They're sneaking out the window at night. They're lying to you. Um, They're doing their own thing anyway, but they kind of look good on the outside. And I would imagine, too, a lot of this, uh, a huge part of the sneakiness can now happen much more naturally on digital devices, on the internet. You've got, whether it's different profiles. I know years ago, I don't know if this is probably outdated, but fake Insta was a big thing. You have these fake profiles where you're really doing and saying and leaning into maybe some of these darker impulses or desires. Yeah. This is where and how it can start. Yeah, these are basically your three outcomes if you choose controlling as parents. Um, And making them do what you say, here's the real downside to it. It never helps the kid develop key character capacities that they need for life. And it never helps establish a close relationship. As I was writing this, I was thinking, hmm, what's an adult equivalent? Well, how do you feel about the IRS? Love it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Want it. (laughs) I look for loopholes. Is there some way out of this? Um, You can take your IRS payment once you seal it up in the envelope. You can stomp up and down on it all you want. They don't care. They're in control. But you don't get close to the IRS, right? Right. So – we want to do something else instead of controlling. We're going to call it training. Good enough responses. Training. Tell yeah. us more. Uh, training and discipline. I'm going to use those interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, let's hit Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I love this verse if you play out the implications of it. First of all, training in the Hebrew language means to narrow or to set limits. And a good example of this is directing traffic. So the policeman directing traffic doesn't jump in your car and drive your car for you. He directs it so that you can get to where you want to go safely. I love that because you still have control of the car. You've got ownership, and yet you're being directed and told where to go. Exactly. So here are the implications of training if we think about this passage. Train up a child in the way he should go. Um, I'm going to go pretty quickly through this. The first one is, these are the implications, and I love them. Your child needs training. It's not built in when they come out of the womb, which really means their job is to get it wrong. Man, I'm thinking about way back in one of our earlier verses, we said kids are not fully formed adults. They no. need to grow. And this is this is what you're saying. They need to be trained. Yeah. So as the parent, um, don't expect 
immediate obedience. Instead, work for obedience tomorrow. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. So your kid doesn't have built-in software that says, this is what I should do. This is what I shouldn't do. I love that. And I also thought about losing the battle, but winning the war. Ah. Sometimes you got to lose a battle and instead of controlling in that moment, getting the obedience, maybe go, I don't know if the word softer is better, but more gentle, kind. Maybe yeah. you'll lose the battle in the moment, but long-term what you're saying, that obedience tomorrow, it's going to go well for you in the future. That's yeah. great. All right. Second one is your child wants training, even though they don't know that they want it. It's like eating broccoli. Mm-hmm. It's like good for your system. It's fiber, but no kid like immediately likes broccoli. Mm-hmm. Um, because training, the reason that they want it is because it brings them security. So when you discipline them as you are emotionally engaged with them, they get a pretty deep sense that they can mess stuff up and be kind of stupid, but still be okay and still be loved. Third one, uh, the child needs time for learning to trickle down. So when he is old, he will not depart from it. This stuff takes a long time for a kid to integrate into their psyche. They learn very quickly, but they don't have filters in place to discern or be wise about the information coming at them. Um, They're very slow to learn delayed gratification and impulse control. And remember, a major part of their brain is not fully developed until they're 24. So, So, as the parent, right, practical, don't say, how many times have I told you? Well, probably a million and a half, right? Because you need to repeat things over and over, and they need to experience things over and over as they develop. I'm so glad to hear this, and I need this, because a lot of times my default response is they are not listening intentionally. They know it, and they're giving me the middle finger. And that (laughs) sometimes might be right, but more often than not, they're not – they just – maybe they've forgotten it, and they need – be here, hear it again and again and again because of this point, because they're not fully formed adults and it takes them a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny, this is a little off track, but I remember when my youngest was four, I was doing bedtime prayers with her and I closed my eyes as I was praying. And I, when I said, amen, I opened my eyes and she had the middle finger like right up in my <laughs> face. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, what's that? And she said, oh, that's something my friend taught me. Oh, I'm like, my gosh. okay, well, let's not do that right now. Let's just go to <laughs> sleep, right? Anyway, that's off the beaten track. Okay, the fourth thing is the child will catch training like they catch a cold. They get it from others around them. Mm. And the principle here is more is learned that is caught than taught. Because they're, they're perpetual learners. They're sponges. They're learning 24-7. Now, if that's the case... If they're perpetual learners catching stuff, we are perpetual teachers, always throwing stuff out for them to pick up. So questions, how do mom and dad treat each other? How do you speak to your wife or your husband? How do mom and dad handle family issues? Um, When we tell them, don't do what I do, like what are they picking up really? Um, So one example of this in very, very subtle ways, you're in a kitchen, your kiddo spills the milk, you try to give them grace. It's okay, honey, you spilled the milk. And then the mom turns around and beats herself up for dropping the pan of pork chops. Like, stupid. Stupid. My gosh. Stupid pork chops. Which one has the greater impact? 
the kids watching the mom thinking, if I do a mistake, then that's really the way I should think about myself. Mm -hmm. So they're going to pick up everything. Mm -hmm. uh, the child is a little unique person. The passage says, train up a child in the way he should go. And what this really means is according to the kid's personality, preferences, abilities, gifts, capacities, like know your child. So we don't do formulas for parenting because discipline and training is very fluid. Yeah, if, if you, man, if you have multiple kiddos, you know by now, even I'm not sure what age this really does show up, but each kid's different. Yes, we all love our kids the same and yet they're different and we get a flex and flow and it's, it's not easy and it's great and it's not easy and it's not going to go well if we try just to parent every single kid the exact same way. Yeah. The next one. Yeah. Uh, train up a child in the way he should go and when they are old, they will not depart from it. So the implication here is that some things we teach them, we will never see the fruit of what we teach them. And many things we will see only later in life. And the good news is that that means it's never too late to repair things. So simply controlling your child, it will give you a momentary sense of control, but it will never connect you deeply to your kiddo. It will never enable them to develop wisdom, which is basically the character capacities to make good choices and deal with the realities of life. So think of it this way. Discipline should be an experience that we either create for our kids or we capture to teach them and nurture them. It is not a punishment to control them. Right, because controlling will keep the kiddo stuck and locked where they are. Yep. Instead, this training, this discipline, setting limits, setting boundaries, whatever it is, all the while allowing them to still grow. Yeah. yeah. It's like education. Yep. Okay. So mistake number two, ignoring your kiddo. Now, there's a couple senses of this mistake. On an extreme level, we're talking about ignoring the entirety of your child. You know, you're apathetic about their performance in school or sports or, or extracurricular activities they're involved in. Maybe you don't even really know who their friends are um, and maybe even where they are, right? Maybe middle schoolers or high schoolers that are around. Um, you know, that wouldn't be an uncommon experience for these kind of parents. But this ignoring can come in more subtle forms. You know, maybe it means ignoring your child's emotional needs or you've got a pattern of disregarding what might be going on in their world. Now, uh, why do this? Well, it, lots of reasons. It could be intentional. It could be unintentional. If you're like me, there might be just a little bit of both in there, but maybe you're just really busy at work right now. This distracted. Is a, this is distracted. You're cra it's a crazy time. Maybe you've just had another kiddo and you're adjusting as the family. You know, our, our kids love Jim Gaffigan. Like they go to bed listening to it which is hilarious. I don't know how that started, but I always remember, you know, Jim Gaffigan talking about what was it like having three kids to four. Just imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That is, that's tough. Um, so maybe that's it. Um, you know, another reason, maybe you just got divorced and you're overwhelmed trying to settle into new life. Lots of reasons why this might be happening. But let me briefly just read a scripture that hits the heart of why it's a mistake to ignore. And I'm not doing this to try and beat anybody up. My guess is if you're listening and you're doing this, you know, a part of you knows this is wrong. But here's why. Deuteronomy, Old Testament books, uh, chapter 7, verse 6, it says this, The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. 
And God intentionally chose his people, and he's not apathetic about this. Instead, they are his treasured possession, and treasured possessions are not ignored. Instead, they're valued and delighted in. So uh, the mistake is to ignore the kids, but here's the good enough response. Get curious. So you're saying, like, these are well-intentioned parents. If you're listening to this, you're trying to do this, but life kind of beats you down sometimes. So here's what the good enough response is. That's right. The good enough response is to get curious. And we got story time, and it happened this morning. Now, today's Halloween. This might be a few weeks after this, but today's Halloween and my 10-year-old, he had a really hard morning. He was moody. He was irritable. He's stomping around the house. He's trying to pick fights with anybody in his orbit. He got into the candy. No, not yet. It's <laughs> Halloween's tonight. But, but eventually, I just asked him, I said, dude, what's going on? And by the way, that was exactly how I said it. It wasn't, oh, what's going on? Tell me, my son. No, it was, dude, what's going on? <laughs> Because his, and his anger and his irritability, it vanished. And he started getting teary-eyed. And he's on the verge of just letting it go. And he says, I don't like my Halloween costume. And it was, it was too small for him. He couldn't find a mask. It was just all wrong. Now, now here's the point. Underneath that irritability and anger, it was sadness. Mm. And that helped me understand all those outward behaviors. But, but I would have never known that if I didn't ask that question, dude, what's going on? That's beautiful. Um, and guess what? With regard to, again, I just talked about the intention and the tone of voice. It wasn't perfect, but guess what? It was good enough. Now, what I hoped to grow in the, the little softer tone next time, of course, but in that moment for now, that question was good enough to get to the heart of what was going on. And so if you're a parent or a caregiver who's listening, curiosity can take so many forms. You know, ask those elementary kiddos about their days at school. Like, what job did you have in the classroom today? Or who did you sit with at lunch? Maybe ask, ask a middle schooler what music they're loving right now. And take notes, because the music my middle schooler is listening to right now, I've never heard of these people, but whatever. Um, ask them, what are they learning in that small group lesson at church? I don't know. John, have you, what have you done for, for your family to, to show curiosity over the years? Do you do anything? I, just very much. I'm not. I'm, man, as I look back on my parenting, I mean, I dropped the ball so many times. I pretty much tried to do what you just did with your kiddo. Right. And in, I love how you're describing the way you asked your kiddo, dude, what's going on? Because right. that's real life stuff. So it's easy to be clinical as you listen to this stuff. But right. like in real life, it comes off as like, hey, man. Like, I'm getting pretty frustrated. What's going yeah. on with you? Yeah, and I include that. And maybe it's just the cynic or the skeptic in me. I get so frustrated when I hear all this stuff that sounds great in a classroom and on a whiteboard, but can't stand the test of real life. And yeah. so uh, this is stuff that I think can work in real life. It's good yeah. enough. Yeah. And in the end, over time, that good enough curiosity is going to be the means by which the kiddos in your care feel like those chosen and treasured possessions. And it, it will give them uh, not, uh, it'll give them an intellectual and an experiential category for God's love for them. So mistake, ignoring, good enough response, curiosity. Nice. John, I like it. what's the third one? So now what we're going to talk about, and we've sort of touched on it, like when, when you, we're going to talk about, just say it, we're going to talk about, um, making the mistake of not being vulnerable and not taking ownership of your failures. Mm. 
know, what I like about the dude, what's going on? Or, hey, man, I'm frustrated. Like, can you help me understand? Um, kids are humans and they're real. And when they see the emotion in the parent, but yet the parent is engaging, mm. they live that way. Like they have the outward emotions of frustration and fear and all that stuff, but they don't know how to regulate. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay for a kid to see like a parent become angry or frustrated and yet be able to manage that. 100%. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because if parents are robots or they're, you know, trying to keep up some sort of front, when those emotions come out, they're going to be unfamiliar. So what you're saying, I think is when you've got a parent who's showing anger and frustration in a healthy way and still engaged, that gives them a category for it. Absolutely. Um, so let's go a little deeper with this. Um, vulnerability and taking ownership. I'm going to combine these two concepts. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of parents are crushed under the feeling of having to do it right, be a great parent. And behind that lurks this notion of perfection. I've got to be a perfect parent. Well, we're going to show you something that's better than being perfect. And it's very achievable. And that is being a humble parent. Mm. That is much better than being a perfect parent. So this is a parent who can loop back with their kids and repair mistakes, admit wrong, ask for forgiveness. Because what this teaches our kiddos is grace through a relationship. Now, parenting is a relationship. Bottom line, that might sound a little strange or simplistic, but I don't think we often approach it that way. I think we approach it more as I've got to figure out the the roadmap, the formula, the right thing to do, but it is a relationship yeah, first so, and foremost. So you're talking about let me, there people are divorcing who they are from what they do. Let me just do the things and take myself out of it in parenting. And guess what? That ain't going to work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it is a yeah. relationship. Make yeah. no mistake about it. Even though it's with someone who throws up on you, frustrates you, doesn't listen to you, and spends all your money. Mm -hmm. You are a learner along with them. You're just simply older. So mm -hmm. the difference between you and your kiddo is that you've lived longer and you've learned some stuff. Man, I love that. So you're a learner with them. That is a fruit or a sign of being a humble parent. You learn with them. Yeah. And mm. you have been put in authority over them. That is a role you play. But other than that, you've made mistakes. You've had to ask for help. You don't know everything and you're still learning. So being vulnerable is letting them in on who you really are as you play a seasonal role in helping them get ready to face life. One quick story when my oldest was a teenager. We're driving home from church, and I'm staring at the road, and she said, Dad, and I don't remember what it was she wanted to ask about, but she asked about some problem that she was having. And I was really tired, and I was also stumped, and I just couldn't come up with anything. And I, I remember this. I said, you know, Hannah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to help you. And she got really quiet for a few seconds, and she said, that's kind of weird because you're my dad. You're supposed to tell me what to do. And I remember telling her, yeah, I know, and we'll figure it out eventually, but I've never parented a teenager before, Hannah. This is the first time out of the shoot for me. I've been a teenager, but I've never parented one, so I'll think about it with you. And she just sat there kind of stunned. 
and she was, you know, without words for a few seconds. It was kind mm-hmm. of interesting. Mm-hmm. It is an absolute prison to live with the pressure of believing you have to be a wonderful parent. You have to come up with all the answers right now. I wonder how many, if you're listening, maybe the, the, the fear that could come up with being this vulnerable. If I'm this vulnerable and say, I don't know, is my kid going to take advantage of that? Are they going to use that as a form of weakness and do that? And I don't know. My hunch is maybe, but probably not. If you continue this pattern of engaging and being with the kiddo and just going, yeah, I don't know, but we're going to figure this out together. I don't know. Well, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, if, if the kid, kids will always try to like work a parent, right? That's innate to all of us. We call that sin. Yeah. We, we try to work God. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they're right. going to try to work us. Yeah. And then when they do, it's a teachable moment. Yeah. You're capturing that experience to teach them. And you're saying, hey, you know, I was honest with you. I don't know how to answer this question, but that doesn't mean you can be mean to me. That doesn't mean that you can take advantage of me. Yep. And yeah, so, so, so this humility and vulnerability, that doesn't come at the expense of limits and boundaries and respect and all of that. You can do both at the same time. It's both and. It's good. Yeah. Yep. Um, the good news in this is if you're listening to this podcast series and you've made it this far, you are probably doing a lot of these things right. Because you're intentional, you want to think about how to develop your kids, you care about how you treat them, you're engaged, you want to learn. But guess what? You also fail. And you will not always love perfectly. You will let your kids down. You will even hurt them at times. But the good news is that you will love them well sometimes. You will be strong and wise sometimes. And sometimes you will enjoy listening to their very long stories, you know. And then the princess said, and the prince had an ugly face and wouldn't kiss her. And then they had cookies. And then, and you're going nuts. Sometimes you'll enjoy that. I love your valley girl lisp voice. I want to hear it more. That's why I put that in because I like it. (laughs) So, So this good enough concept really has grist to it. It really works. And all you need to be is good enough. And repair your failures by being vulnerable and taking ownership of things and asking for forgiveness. And if you can't do this or you won't do it, it hurts your kids relationally in significant ways. And I love this concept. I got it from a friend of mine. Kids know they're imperfect. How lonely it is for them if their parents are not imperfect. Ooh, say that again. Yeah. How Kids know that they're flawed and they get it wrong and they're imperfect because they're trying to figure out how to do life and do it right and make mom and dad happy. How lonely is it for them if they have parents who are not with them in it and imperfect? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going off the cuff here, but this is so good, I think. Kids feel like they're imperfect and they don't do it right. Maybe some people's responses would be, oh, no, 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 no. You are perfect. You're not. There's nothing wrong with you. That is a well-intentioned thing to say to a kid, and I understand why. And it seems like that impact could be to split that kid off even further to go, yeah, yeah, I hear that, but I'm not quite sure if that's true. And that would continue the problem. Instead, what would happen if when the kiddo maybe voices some sort of, I don't feel if I'm right. What if we said, actually, yeah, you're right. You're not perfect. But guess what? Neither is mom or dad, and I love you the same, and let's work on this together. 
oh my gosh, you talk about taking the volume of shame and turning it down and giving that kid freedom to know that, hey, I can be flawed and still be cared for and okay. Flawed and loved. I mean, that Mm. sets them up for later in life to understand the gospel. And this, you want to talk about this becoming a whole person series. That's not a lesson that kids need to get. That's a lesson that I and you and me and all these adults need to get too. Yeah. And if and when we grow closer to that, to knowing that we're flawed and loved, that overflow is going to have an impact in our families. Yeah. And see, I mean, we're riffing on this because there's, there's energy in it and there's truth. And this is why we keep saying, at heart, parenting is not a formula or a manual. It is doing a few things over and over and over again with your kids to give them the sense that, yeah, I'm with you, and I also am a little bit older, and I can nurture you and guide you, and it's okay if you screw up. Yep. When yeah. You're, yeah. You, I was going to say, you were talking about earlier in the planning, like this water filtration system. I'm an image guy. I love it. Okay. Can you can you share more about that? Yeah. Uh, this this comes from a friend of mine who mentored me a lot in understanding mm-hmm. parenting. And if you guys like this stuff, you can get his book. It's called Setting Parents Free mm-hmm. by John Cox. Awesome book. And he writes about um, being real with your kids about your own needs and your failures. And when you do that, this is his image, and I love it. You create in them something like a water filtration system where they can filter out your failures and still be nourished by the good things that make it through the filter. Mm, I love that. Isn't that great? That's so great. All right. So that third mistake was a lack of vulnerability and the good enough response essentially is ownership and being vulnerable and owning up. And the power of that. And the power of that, absolutely. Here's our fourth and final mistake, the mistake of being inconsistent and unpredictable. And what I mean is that when we are presenting and embodying two or more very different fronts and personas to our kiddos and kids in our care, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not, that's going to have an impact. So Mm. so here's, here's an example. Let's say the first thing that happens when you walk through the door after work, or if you work at home and, you know, you're in the office and you step out of the office into real life, into the wild, so to speak. Let's say those kids bombard you with all sorts of requests. They want to wrestle. They want to play a game. They want to go on a walk. They want a snack, whatever. Uh, Sometimes you're all about it. Yeah, let's do it. Come on. Other times you snap in anger, like, whoa, 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 slow down. Stop. You are too much. Can't you see that I'm tired? Or maybe it's kind of just this apathetic, half-hearted, no, go do your own thing. And you just kind of shut down. If those are the consistent and chronic responses, not like a one time here or there, nobody's perfect, but if that's the consistent and chronic pattern, that's going to cause some problems. And here's just just a few of what might happen. Over time, your kids are going to be apprehensive of you and maybe even scared because they don't know who's coming through that door or who's coming out of that office or who's coming up from the basement. Your kids are going to be wary of presenting their needs to you and they can begin to develop an unhealthy self-reliance. They're going to think, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever, I'm not taking my stuff to them. I have to figure this out on my own. And that's the place of isolation and loneliness. And that's where shame and all of these things can thrive. And they're going to come online because here's what can happen. The kids will then wonder, what's going on? 
why is mom or dad or this caregiver, why are they so different? And because they don't have the capacity to understand that this is a parent or a caregiver issue, they're going to believe I'm the problem. I'm the reason that I that they're acting different. There is something wrong with me. Oh, that's so good. And guess what? This is where Satan and the enemy will have a field day. They'll take it and run with it because now the kiddo has internalized the belief that there is something wrong with me. And if I can just fix me, then dad will be happier. Mom and dad will get along better. Mm -hmm. And so they make themselves the locus of control because they're trying to fix their world. Exactly right. And where and how did all of this start? Well, it started with that chronic and continual mistake of inconsistency and unpredictability. But now that's the bad news. That's a mistake. But there's a good enough response that can make up for it. And guess what? It's it's consistency and predictability. Now, we could go so many places with this, but let's go to the rock-solid biblical reality that's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's consistent. He's predictable. He is the unmoving rock on which those storms crash. And he has set up life in such a way that our kids and those people, the kiddos in our care, get to learn this quality in and through the parenting and the caregiving. Now, I'm not sure how this hits you, but I got two equal responses. One, that is crushing, hmm. but it's also incredible. So for it, I think this is crushing because it's impossible. I cannot, you cannot, and we cannot be perfectly consistent and predictable in the same way in, as Jesus, period. End of story. Mm. But it's also incredible for a couple of reasons. One, we get to tell our kids, guess what? I cannot be the perfect person for you, but guess who can? <laughs> Jesus. And one day we're going to know and feel and experience all that reality. So that's that's the doorway into that. Yeah. Can I make a comment Absolutely. on that? Absolutely. Like, it's okay sometimes, like if you come home and your kid's like, come on, let's play ball. Let's play ball. It's really okay to say, look, I can't do that right now because I am exhausted. I need to take a nap. Maybe we can do it later. It's okay to say that. It's if you constantly always, like, remove yourself from the picture. Yes, that's a good nuance. And if you don't give a reason or a reminder of, hey, we'll do it later. If all you just say is no. Yeah. And there's no hope of connection, yes. The other thing is when you do that, like, hey, I've been to 15 of your ball games, but I cannot make the next ball game because mm. I have a lot of work to do. Watch for times that your kids try to fix you. Like mm. if they say, oh, you're tired, dad. Well, do you want me to fix dinner tonight or can I bring you a snack? Mm. Don't let them do that mm. because you don't want to tutor them into, hey, you need to take care of my emotional world because you're the adult. Mm. So you might say something like, hey, you know, that's really sweet, babe. You don't need to bring, bring me a snack. I can grab something real quick. You go play mm. with your dolls yeah. or you go play with your friend. Mm. I'll be okay. Yeah. Or, you know, mommy and daddy will work this out mm -hmm. if I have a work conflict. That's really good. Take the burden off yeah, of them. Take the burden off. Um, so, so the other reason that I think this is an incredible uh, promise is that it can have lasting benefits for the kids in our care. So, you know, when you're consistent and predictable, kids are going to begin to feel safe and secure at home. And guess what? They'll be able to take those feelings with them into new and confusing mm. and maybe overwhelming situation. It's like a tank of gas. They're filling up at home 
And then when they go to some place, yeah, it's going to deplete the gas a little bit, but they have some left. They have something to take hmm. with them. Uh, when you're consistent and predictable, the kids are going to begin to bring their own worries and their own fears to you rather than hide them. You know, you were talking about those different kind of kids, the rebellious kid, the sneaky kid. If we're consistent and predictable on an ongoing basis, the kids are going to realize, hey, I can bring my problems to mom or dad or whoever, and they're really going to hear them and try to help. Now, this, again, it doesn't happen overnight, and you cannot, maybe this is perhaps the most important thing, we cannot produce this out of our own willpower. Maybe we can for a day or a week, but eventually this is going to crash and it's not going to go the way we want it to. Instead, we need to ask Jesus through his spirit to renew and restore these qualities in us every single day. Um, I'll never forget this. I heard a sermon years ago. I forget who it was, but uh, he's talked about this and I had to start doing this. When I would come home from work, I mean, literally, you talk about gas. I, I had an empty tank. The gas light's on. I would have to sit in the driveway just for a minute or two and either put some music on or say a prayer. And it was something to the effect of, Lord Jesus, help me. I have nothing left. And I'm worried I'm going to snap at these kids are going to need something like, I literally need your help, please. And, you know, I'm not perfect, but that was the pattern that I had to set and giving myself some margin because if I didn't give myself that, guess what? I'm going to be more than not inconsistent and unpredictable. All right. I have an image. Give me one. Years ago, went on a family vacation, and it was the family vacation from H-E double hockey sticks. Mm -hmm. And we had traveled with two little kids, got stuck on a tarmac, delayed flights. I mean, I could go on and on. It was awful. And then we get to this cabin that was promised to us. And we get in there, we're exhausted. We've been traveling. If you take into account the time delays from West Coast to East Coast, we'd been traveling for like 15 hours and we are absolutely exhausted. It's one in the morning and we pull the bed sheets back in this cabin and there's mouse poop. And the kids are like, oh, what's that? It's a and raisin. So, Let me eat it. <laughs> I kid you not. We're up at two in the morning doing oh sheets, gosh. trying to get the kids oh like gosh. asleep. The next morning I get up, I go outside to this cabin and I remember this image. I literally leaned against the cabin with one arm and my prayer. I remember it. Holy Spirit, if you do not come to me. I will destroy this family. I am so angry. I am so out of control. You've got to intervene because if you don't, it's just going to be so bad. I mean, we've all been there as parents. Yep. No. Yeah. So the other thing you've got to talk about real quick is you got a mom and a dad and they're on two different pages. And the kids are like, well, mom tells me one thing, but dad tells me another. Like, what do you do? Tell me, what do you do? <laughs> I'm going to make it real simple. Like mom and dad, duke it out. Go go into your bedroom or go out on a date night and map out how to be on the same page, yeah. even if you disagree. Yeah. And here's here's the other thing that I would say in that moment. Just tell the kids. Yep. Call a spade a spade because yeah. they know. Say, hey, guess what? Mom, I realize, is telling you one thing. Dad is telling you one thing. Or even, you know, if you have, uh, this is maybe harder, but if you're divorced, you mm -hmm. got blended families. Wow. Stepdad's saying this, stepmom's saying this. Guess what? That's really hard. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about it and we're going to try to figure it out. 
just acknowledge to the kiddo what they already know is that there's different expectations yeah. and we're going to try to figure it out. Yeah. And that's really, really difficult. We don't want to minimize like how difficult that is. Yeah. But the other thing is many times when my wife and I were parenting, mm -hmm. we would just tell the kids, hey, your, your mom and I disagree on this, but we're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, this is what we're going to do. Right. And so, man, the, the, We've been so many places today. I think for this last point, just remember consistency and predictability with persistence, not perfection over time. That's good enough. So uh, you mentioned this earlier. If you've hung in, hung in there with us for this long, you're doing a great job and we hope you've taken something with you. So, you know, let me just summarize all of these and then John, I want you to take us out. But cool. those, those mistakes, the good enough response is number one. If you've made the mistake of controlling, a good enough response is training. If you've made the mistake of ignoring, a good enough response is curiosity. Number three, if you've made the mistake of not being vulnerable, a good enough response is ownership. And then finally, if you've made the mistake of unpredictability and inconsistency, a good enough response is predictability and consistency. Yeah, we could talk about this for a long time. It feels like food to my soul because mm -hmm. woven in and through it is the need for grace for us as parents so that we can communicate that to our kids. Yeah. Um, next time, we're going to do questions and answers. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to that. Thank you, Austin. Yeah, and you know, if you guys have some questions based on this episode or anything else in our Becoming a Whole Person series, send it our way. And if you think this was a good episode for somebody else to hear, send them a text, and we hope that helps. So love being with you, Father John. Adios. We'll see you next time. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at WithYouInTheWeeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.